0: Humans have probably had the desire to fly ever since they saw the first bird fly in the air. But flying, as it turns out, was a very challenging problem for creatures without wings. Throughout the 19th century, many people tackled the problem without success. And it wasn't until the first years of the 20th century that the problem was finally solved. Learn more about the invention of the airplane and the solution to heavier-than-air travel on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. Believe it or not, the origins of human flight go back much further than most people realize. Ancient civilizations had stories of gods and heroes who had wings and managed to fly. The most well-known story is probably that of Icarus who flew too close to the sun. However, the ability to put humans into the air probably first occurred sometime in the seventh century in China. The mechanism used to put people in the air were large kites. This was the first time that humans could really get off the ground and fly into the sky. There were, however, serious problems with putting a person in a kite. You couldn't control them, and more likely than not, they would crash to the ground. In fact, being sent up in a kite was a form of execution in ancient China, which shows just how unreliable as a means of transportation it was. The Chinese also figured out the basic principles of lighter-than-air flight. However, they never extended the idea beyond sky lanterns. For centuries, tinkers and thinkers like Leonardo da Vinci created contraptions that mimicked wings or large kites. But none of these designs came close to achieving actual flight. In 1783, Joseph and Jacques Mongolfier launched the first hot air balloon, which ushered in an era of balloon flights. Ballooning was certainly useful. It was great for military reconnaissance to see an entire battlefield, as well as for making scientific observations. However, it wasn't really a means of transportation. Where you went and how far you traveled was totally dependent on the wind. Balloons still didn't achieve the goal of flying like a bird or if not a bird, at least being able to fly where you want and when you wanted. The person who really advanced the cause of human flight was an 18th and 19th century British engineer by the name of George Cayley. Cayley was the first person to go beyond drawings to actually study the physics behind what would be involved in human flight. He's widely considered to be the world's first aeronautical engineer. He identified the main forces involved in flight, gravity, lift, drag, and thrust. He created the conceptual basis for what an airplane would be, a fixed-wing machine with controls for lift, propulsion, and lateral control. This was a breakthrough because he stopped thinking that humans had fly-like birds and that the lift mechanism, a.k.a. the wing, could be separate from the thrust mechanism. In other words, the wing could be fixed and didn't have to flap. He understood the necessity of materials being lightweight. His pursuit of lightweight materials led to his invention of the wire wheel, something that you're probably very familiar with if you've ever ridden on a bicycle. Cayley also made huge advances by experimenting with air screws, that are now better known as propellers, as well as with the shape of wings. His lifetime of research culminated in 1849 when he created the world's first glider that could carry a human. It was a small boy for weight considerations that he had hired. Four years later in 1853, he built a larger glider that was able to carry one of his servants for over 900 feet. Despite all of Cayley's advances, he recognized there was still one missing component to achieving sustained flight. As he himself said, quote, I feel perfectly confident, however, that this noble art will soon be brought home to man's general convenience, and that we shall be able to transport ourselves and families and their goods and chattels more securely by air than by water, and with a velocity from twenty to a hundred miles per hour. To produce this effect, it is only necessary to first have a mover, which will generate more power in a given time in proportion to its weight than the animal system of muscles. Quote. Cayley realized there needed to be some sort of engine that was capable of providing enough thrust at a low enough weight. The steam engines of the 19th century were revolutionary, but they simply couldn't provide enough power at low enough weight, not to mention the small problem of carrying around all the water and coal required. Efforts continued on the glider front, however. The person who did the most to advance gliders was the German inventor Otto Lilienthal. Between 1891 and 1896, he created 16 glider designs and took over 2,000 successful flights, all from a hill outside of Berlin. His flights were widely publicized and encouraged a generation of aviators around the world, including a pair of brothers in Dayton, Ohio. Sadly, during a flight on August 1, 1896, his glider stalled, and he fell 50 feet and broke his back, dying the next day. His reported last words were, Sacrifices must be made. The late 19th century saw the rise of a new type of engine, the internal combustion engine, which I've addressed in another episode. In the same year that Otto Lilienthal died, an American astronomer by the name of Samuel Pierpont Langley made a significant breakthrough. He managed to do the first unmanned flight of a vehicle powered by an engine. His vehicle was launched and landed in the Potomac River, and on May 26, 1896, he flew it twice, the longest of which went 1,005 meters or 3,297 feet. The Smithsonian Institute regards Langley as having created the first machine capable of flight, even if it wasn't powerful enough to carry a person. The inventors who managed to put everything together were a couple of brothers who ran a bicycle shop in Dayton, Ohio. Wilbur and Orville Wright. The Wright brothers became enamored with the idea of flight from the stories and photos of Otto Lilienthal. One of the lessons they learned from Lilienthal and other aviation pioneers, such as the British glider pilot Percy Pilcher, was the need to have a way for the pilot to control the vehicle. The Wright brothers had an iterative process, beginning with kites and gliders, to try to develop a system for controlling a vehicle in the air. The Wrights extensively studied the work of Lilienthal and George Cayley to create their first gliders their work was most definitely evolutionary, not revolutionary. They selected Kitty Hawk, North Carolina as the location for testing their models because of its strong breezes, remote location, and sandy beaches, which would allow for soft landings. In 1900, 1901, and 1902, they developed generations of gliders that had progressively longer wingspans. Moreover, they also used very early wind tunnel tests to conduct experiments for optimal wing design, testing over 200 models. Everything they learned over the years of testing and designing gliders was finally put together in the development of the Wright Flyer in 1903. The Wright Flyer used wing warping to control the aircraft and had a custom-built 12-horsepower gasoline engine, which weighed 180 pounds or 82 kilograms. The engine turned two propellers, which turned in opposite directions to counteract their torque. They had to have a custom engine built because the engines used in early automobiles were just too heavy. After waiting for conditions to be right and several aborted attempts due to equipment malfunctions, on December 17, 1903, they conducted the first sustained, controlled, powered, heavier-than-air flight with a human operator. The first flight was flown by Orville, and it flew for 12 seconds for a total distance of 120 feet. It was the first of four flights that day. The other three flights flew for 175 feet, 200 feet, and then the final flight, which was piloted by Wilbur, flew for 852 feet or 260 meters and it was aloft for a full 59 seconds. On the fourth flight, a gust of wind caused the plane to tumble end over end, damaging it to a point where it couldn't be flown again. The Wright Flyer was taken back to Dayton, where it was later repaired by Orville, and the original vehicle is now on display at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. The Wright Flyer was successful in achieving powered flight, but it wasn't a practical vehicle. The Wright brothers next designed the Wright Flyer II. The Wright Flyer II was similar to the original, but heavier with a more powerful engine. On September 15th, 1904 in Kitty Hawk, Wilbur conducted the first turn in the air on an aircraft, and on September 20th, he managed to fly in a circle for the first time, flying over 4,000 feet or one kilometer in a minute and 15 seconds. In 1905, they introduced the Wright Flyer III. The Flyer 3 was stronger, had a longer tail for improved stability, and a more efficient propeller. The Wright Flyer 3 was a huge improvement over the previous two models. Primarily, it was safer and more reliable, but most importantly, it could fly for extended periods and land exactly where it started. On October 5, 1905, in Huffman Prairie outside of Dayton, Wilbur flew on a circular path for 39 minutes and 23 seconds and flew for a distance of 24.2 miles, or 38.9 kilometers. It was the Wright Flyer three, which was finally a practical and dependable aircraft that could be launched, flown for an extended period, and landed at will at the location of the pilot's choosing. There was a great deal of controversy at the time as to who was really the first person to create a heavier-than-air aircraft. Initially, the Smithsonian Institute refused to recognize the Wright brothers and instead recognized Langley, not coincidentally, Langley was the former secretary of the Smithsonian Institution. There are some who claim that New Zealand aviator Richard Pierce was actually the inventor of the airplane. However, Pierce himself, many times throughout his life, admitted that he didn't even get started on anything until 1904, after the Wright brothers had first flown in Kitty Hawk. In a 1915 interview with a newspaper, he said, quote, The honor of inventing the airplane cannot be assigned wholly to one man, like most inventions, it's the product of many minds. After all, there is nothing that succeeds like success. And for this reason, preeminence will undoubtedly be given to the Wright brothers of America, as they were the first to make successful flights with a motor-driven airplane. End quote. Another claimant to the title of first flight is Gustave Whitehead, a German immigrant to the United States. He claimed to have conducted an extended flight in 1901, which received a great deal of press. However, he was never actually able to perform a public demonstration, and all of the supposed witnesses to the flight denied having seen it, and even his own family members didn't believe it. After his supposed 1901 flight, unlike the Wright brothers, he was never able to make a working vehicle capable of flight, seemingly having lost the secret to flying. His claims are almost universally considered to have been a hoax. Likewise, a Californian by the name of Lyman Gilmore claimed to have flown an airplane with a coal-powered steam boiler in 1902. However, the vehicle was lost, there are no surviving drawings, no witnesses, and no photographs. Nothing about it would be feasible according to aeronautical engineering. The final claimant is the Brazilian engineer Alberto Santos Dumont. Santos Dumont was wealthy via his family's coffee plantation and moved to Paris where he pursued aviation. Many in Europe dismissed the claims of the Wright brothers and simply didn't believe that they had achieved what they claimed. This denial was despite the over 100 flights of the Wright Flyer 3, many of which flew for the better part of an hour with dozens of witnesses and photos. On September 23, 1906, Santos Dumont, in front of a large crowd in Paris, conducted a flight that flew at a height of 15 feet for a distance of 200 feet. The big difference between Santos Dumont's airplane and the Wright brothers was the fact that his plane had wheels and didn't use a catapult to be launched. This was certainly a significant innovation, and it deserves credit for what it was. But it's hard to accept this as the first powered flight when, a year earlier, the Wright brothers were able to make public flights of over 40 minutes in duration and 20 miles in distance. Any reasonable analysis of early aviation would conclude that the Wright brothers were in fact the first to master mechanical-powered, heavier-than-air flight. Most of the early European skeptics later recanted and admitted that the Wright brothers were first. As with most inventions, powered heavier-than-air flight didn't develop spontaneously. It was the product of centuries of trial-and-error and and scientific advancement. Once the concept of powered flight was proven, aviation advanced rapidly. Records for altitude, distance, speed, and duration were constantly being set, and airplanes became more reliable. But starting with these early pioneers, it took less than 100 years to go from a canvas-covered wooden airplane flying 120 feet to modern jumbo jets That could fly millions of people every year. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. Today's review comes from listener Rubina222 over at Apple Podcasts in Australia. They write, informative and entertaining. I'm loving this podcast and learn many new things every day. I've become that annoying person who spouts factoids about random topics. Furthermore, Gary has a very easy-to-listening-to speaking tone, but more on this in a future review. Thanks, Rubina. I'm always happy to see reviews from one of my favorite countries. Please remember that with all this knowledge comes great responsibility. Use your powers for good instead of evil. Unless it comes to winning bets at the pub, in which case, go nuts. Remember, if you leave a review or send me a boostogram, you too can have it read right on the show.